Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Progressive American. I'm Connor, back with another morning podcast about the week's news from a progressive perspective. Welcome back to the show. It is October 2nd, 2021, and today we will be talking about Germany's election results, the Republicans' move against the debt ceiling, and the investigation into Rudy Giuliani, with much more to cover in between. With that out of the way, Let's jump into it. Now, consistent watchers of the show will know that I have been covering the German elections and branching out to explain the importance of German elections in international relations. With Angela Merkel leaving office, the Christian Democratic Union, Merkel's party, has to struggle to try and win back seats and hopefully keep the chancellorship. However, after the election results this week, that is unlikely. The Social Democratic Party, the main source of center-left opposition, has won a plurality of the seats in the election and is likely to determine the government structure of Germany. With the SPD winning 28% of the vote to the CDU's 26.7, the SPD's likelihood of building a coalition is strong but tenuous. With smaller parties also gaining seats in the parliament, they will likely demand things from the major parties to form a coalition, which could mean that the chancellorship remains up for grabs. Now, I tend to lean towards the social democratic side of things for those familiar with my politics, usually with some liberal tendencies. But what's interesting here is that the SPD, while not hostile to the United States, has some opposition to NATO, which may undermine the Biden administration's goal of re-establishing the old international order with the United States at the head. Now, however, the German election and the SPD make that difficult. And I think that is something that the Biden administration is going to have to get used to. You don't go from the confrontational style of Donald Trump to Biden and expect the old ways to remain after everything that happened. What is happening in Germany is true worldwide. America has to learn to work with, not over other nations as it used to. And despite what Republicans may claim, this is not because Biden is leading. Republicans, Bush, and Trump had lower levels of approval from Europeans than their Democratic successors, generally speaking. Recent Republican presidents have been incredibly jingoistic, and while Democrats tend to be more nuanced or dove-like in their foreign policy or rhetoric, that doesn't stop them from playing hardball either. So when it comes to American foreign policy, countries are starting to realize that the United States can't control everything and might assert themselves as a matter of self-reliance. Already, French President Emmanuel Macron has argued that the nations of Europe should establish themselves as independent from America though France is currently bitter over a submarine deal that the U.S. beat them out of. That said, if Biden is to reestablish the United States and its influence, he will have to learn to see American interests as dependent upon cooperation and not on power. In more domestic news, we now turn to the debt ceiling vote that has been up for debate among Republicans and Democrats. On Tuesday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned that the United States would run out of ways to avoid breaching the debt ceiling, thus causing the United States to default on its debt for the first time in history. Hours later, Republicans blocked an effort by the Democrats to lift said ceiling. Now, the United States spends more than it receives in revenue, and while some may believe that that debt is owed to China, the truth is that we owe that money to ourselves. Most of the debt that we owe is interagency debt and money spent for public services. Now, because Republicans have blocked the debt ceiling rise, there is a risk of us defaulting on our debts by October 18th. This means that if the U.S. fails to raise its debt ceiling by that date, we could see interest rates explode, U.S. currency fail, and lose its respect in the global economy. If you think COVID-19 hurt the economy, wait until the dollar falls out of favor around the world. 
Republicans like Mitch McConnell are doing this because they want to force Democrats to go through the budget reconciliation process to make this a partisan issue. Mind you, Democrats were not so brazen when Donald Trump was president. During the Trump administration, Democrats voted with Republicans and helped them raise the debt ceiling three times during Trump's first term. So clearly, there is a sense that it is a part of basic policy maintenance. Moreover, if the debt ceiling isn't lifted, it could leave 50 million people without access to their social security checks and halt child tax credits for over 3 million Americans. Republicans like Mitch McConnell are doing this because it's universally beneficial to them. They're going into the midterms with the chance of taking back either the House, the Senate, or both. And they know that if they do this, they can complain about Democrats being partisan and refusing to come to the table even though they rejected the one measure that would keep things running. And as much as I want to blame the Democrats for not striking hard and just moving into it, the fact that Republicans are willing to hold the well-being of millions of people hostage for the sake of the midterm elections astounds me. And this is why I say that the attitude that says the two parties are the same is so wrong. Here we have two major parties that understand that their voters will get seriously hurt if they don't raise the debt ceiling soon. And instead of both of them raising it, one of them is trying to force the other into an uncomfortable position just because they can. When you choose somebody to represent you, you choose them because you think they will protect you, maintain your rights, and treat you with dignity, and make sure that the government is making policies that actually work for you. But here, we have Republicans who claim to represent the will and well-being of the people are actively threatening the well-being of their voters just because it'll help them get more seats in the upcoming elections. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems to me like an attempt to make human life, human dignity, optional. And that's just not acceptable. As much as I have a problem with some of the things the Democrats have done in the past, this... This particular thing did not happen. Like, it's been a bipartisan agreement for years that this is how you handle things when it is absolutely necessary to do so, especially in times of emergency. And considering we're close, if not already passing the amount of death, of 700,000 people, I would say that this constitutes an emergency that merits the spending. But instead, Republicans are playing games with human life, and yet there are still people who will say, but the two parties are the same. They're not the same, and they never have been. Now, before I go on to the next story, I want to hear from you all. Uh, I don't really get to talk to my audience all that much. I don't really do call-ins in the typical sense. However, with my new podcast host, Anchor, you can actually message me with a voice message, so long as it's under a minute. So if you go to the podcast website in the show notes, you can actually sign up for a free account and then send me a message. Doing that means I get an email, I see the file, and every time I make an episode, I have a collection of calls from you guys asking me questions that you want to hear. So if you have a story or something that you'd like to suggest or just want to say hi and give your thoughts, please do reach out to me because I will respond to those that actually like put in the effort. I would love to hear from you all. Uh, just please keep it respectful. I know politics is a contentious thing. I know things get heated, as I just did earlier. But uh, if you want to call in, please do. Uh, it's perfectly welcome. So consider that. Go to the Anchor website and give me a call. Thanks. Now, with that out of the way, we have to turn to Rudy Giuliani's investigation, or rather, the investigation that is being done against him. 
The investigation has taken yet another turn, as his lawyer revealed that investigators are now demanding new documents related to his activities in Poland and Ukraine, especially as it relates to his attempts to deal dirt with other politicians to get Joe Biden in an uncomfortable position. The revelations come out of an investigation into Giuliani's failure to register as a foreign agent. Prosecutors are trying to examine some of the following things, his communications with 12 unidentified individuals, evidence relating to former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yovanovitch, and evidence that Giuliani knew he was breaking the law when he failed to register as a foreign agent, as required under FARA. Now, for the longest time, many of these investigations around Trump's allies, like Giuliani, were of prominent news. They were in the public eye. And now, as the investigations move forward and as they take time, they're falling out of public eye. The process of an investigation takes a long time, so it doesn't always generate the viewership that it needs to, which means that Giuliani can still hide from serious media inquiries. And that's part of the reason I bring this story up. Giuliani is continually under investigation. This is the same guy who was harping on about the Hunter Biden laptop and things like that, and has also been associated with much of Donald Trump's corruption in the past. So when there's an investigation still ongoing and there's clear intentions to look for specific evidence of crimes, that should be in the public eye. That should be out there more. Rudy Giuliani was America's mayor for all intents and purposes for a long time. And yet, now he's under investigation and there is more and more that's going to come out about him. And instead of this being a major story, it's just a side note. There's very little conversation about it. So... As far as I'm concerned, if there's anything you want to take from this story, it's that Rudy Giuliani, one of Trump's personal lawyers, is fundamentally not the squeaky clean person he claims to be. And he's one of the people who created these conspiracy theories about the election being stolen. And that should matter more to people. If we want to prevent something like January 6th or future January 6th events, we have to look at the people who do this kind of thing and make sure that they get punished. In more conservation news, we turn to Bear Ears National Monument. Those familiar with the Trump administration's approach to conservation policy will know that the Trump administration shrunk the monument's protections over the objections of the indigenous peoples. On Tuesday, the Hopi and Navajo tribes wrote a letter to the Biden administration asking him to restore those protections. The letter explains that each day that passes without national monument protection for numerous sacred sites and irreplaceable cultural resources risks desecration, looting, vandalism, and misinformed visitation to an area that contains the exact kind of antiquities that inspired the creation of the Antiquities Act. These artifacts are considered by us to be messages by our ancestors meant for us to see and incorporate as lessons into our present. They are literally being erased." Quote. The Biden administration has been criticized for their reluctance to enact that desired change. And I don't blame the activists for pointing that out. Biden campaigned on this. He campaigned upon reversing Trump's decision to restrict the protections to a small area. And unfortunately, the Biden administration seems reticent to act on that promise. It is kind of odd that he's doing this because he has the full authority to do so. His own official, Interior Secretary Deb Holland, recommended that they do so in order to protect not just this monument, but two of them. This territory is culturally sacred, and to me, once that's determined, there should be no other reason for there to be any discussion. 
If something is culturally sacred, it is worthy of being preserved even if it is difficult to do so. If there is anything that is objectively good, it is restoring rights to people who have lost them. The Biden administration has no excuse but to move forward and protect the rights that were taken from them by the Trump administration. Anything less is a failure. In online news, YouTube announced this week that it would begin removing videos promoting misinformation about any given vaccine. Not just COVID-19 vaccines, but all vaccines. And that it would, quote, remove several well-known vaccine misinformation spreaders. The end result of this approach is the removal of multiple channels that promote anti-vaccine propaganda, including the likes of Dell Bigtree and Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore has famously made a video proclaiming that Robert Malone was responsible for inventing the mRNA technology in the vaccines and promoting his work, despite it being inherently deceptive and not even remotely true. YouTube inherently has a anti-vaccine problem. If you want to look for a quote-unquote documentary that lies about vaccines or misinforms or sells you some sort of pseudo-natural cure for well, nearly anything, you can find it on YouTube. And that's been a problem for years, even before COVID. So it's not surprising that now after everything that's happened and 700,000 people dying, that YouTube has finally taken action. And I say good for them. There are those who will complain about the dangers of media censorship and the like, but the reality is that this misinformation could kill people and likely already has. Our vaccination rate is far below what we need to overcome this pandemic, and hypothetical threats of censorship created by the scientifically illiterate do not hold up against the continued death that spreads around this country. I have said it before and I will say it again. Vaccines should not be optional. It is not acceptable. But even if that were acceptable, we should not tolerate cranks, liars, and... God knows what else, spreading misinformation online when hundreds of thousands of people are dying and millions of people globally are dying as well. We have lost nearly 5 million people globally to COVID-19. There can be no more games on this. I am not going to weep for any anti-vaxxers who get banned. They deserve it, and anyone who perpetuates their nonsense deserves it too. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you all for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with your friends and family. If you want to see more content outside of the podcast, please consider checking out our new website. It is progressive-american.com, and all of my content is there, including this podcast, my YouTube, and my newsletter. If you want to see all my content and talk to me directly, you can also comment there. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.